The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. I was in my car this morning. I don't even remember whether it was during the Brian Kilmeade show or whenever it was, but the radio was on. And all of a sudden, I'm listening to someone talking about the Grammys. And I had completely forgotten that the Grammys were even on. I'd had this discussion on Friday with my producer about the Grammys. And, you know, I, I, don't, I don't really do award shows. I haven't done them in decades, all right? They're just boring to me. And plus, I don't know who picks what, but, you know, there's nobody except Taylor Swift who deserves a Grammy. I, I find that hard to believe, but that's okay. Good for her. You know, but then I'm listening to all of this post-Grammy talk because I thought, well, at least I should know who didn't win, who won. Were there any special moments? And no, it wasn't on Brian Kilmeade's show. It was on one of the, it was like on the Patriot station. And all of a sudden they're talking about how Taylor Swift was completely blowing off Celine Dion. And so now I'm trying to wrap my mind around all of this because I don't care that much. But we all know that Celine Dion, I was shocked that she was even at the Grammys because she's got that stiff person syndrome thing that nobody knows what it is. All we know is that it doesn't go away and she's not going to get better. And it's really a terribly sad uh, thing to have happen to someone so gifted and who's provided so many, you know, magical moments. You know, I think about Celine Dion's songs. I mean, you know, from the theme to Titanic, Peebo Bryson and her and all, just beautiful, beautiful musical memories. And so apparently she was the one giving Taylor Swift her 13th Grammy for the new whatever song, album, I don't even, we don't do albums, right? So the new uh, download, I don't know what you call them, but something was going on on the stage. So I immediately went to look at the video because I, I don't, I don't dislike Taylor Swift. I don't like Taylor Swift. I literally can only name two Taylor Swift songs and yet she's won 13 Grammys. So that tells you I'm just not in the loop anymore, right? But I thought, it always bothers me when people try to tear down the winner. Like, you don't have to tear down the winner because you don't like them. They won. They must be relatively unique or talented or something. I question how they select these people. Like I said, there's got to be somebody besides her that can win a Grammy these days. But whatever. I don't hate her. I don't want to see her uh, humiliated or... I wouldn't expect her to humiliate anybody else. And so I went to the YouTube to see what exactly happened. And I'm watching and she goes up on the stage to get this Grammy and there's a whole like bunch of commotion happening behind her, which distracts her. And then she takes the Grammy from Celine Dion and says, you know, I wish I could say this is the happiest thing in my life, but every time I make music is happy, you know? So it wasn't, uh, it wasn't disrespectful. It was, I don't know what people expected. First of all, I don't know how you treat somebody with stiff person syndrome. Maybe you shouldn't hug them. I don't know. But 
there was nothing disrespectful. It was uh, like one of those one minutes of, you know, you could find something right or wrong with a one minute in anybody's life. So I immediately dismissed it and said, you know what, this is what this is what they do now, what the media does now. They don't longer report on news. They create news. They create lies. They further their own agenda. And it's sickening. It really is. And, and the Grammys is just a silly example of it. But they do this in politics all the time. You don't get the real story. You get the version of the story that lines up with their either love of the person or hate of the person. If it's Donald Trump, it's going to be hate. If it's uh, Joe Biden, it's going to be, I don't know what, mixed reviews. And if it's uh, someone they love, like Bill Clinton, it'll be all positive. I get that. But I'm tired of it. You got to be tired of it. I'm in this business. So if I'm tired of it, you could say, well, you're in, you know, up to your eyeballs in media every single day particularly in reporters. I have to depend on reporters to provide me with a great deal of my content. Now, granted, I do a lot of research on my own, but it still comes, someone has to report the story. In other words, I didn't know that King Charles had prostate cancer until a reporter wrote an article. You know, he had some tests. I knew that was going on. I know both he and the the uh, Williams, is it Williams' wife, Kate? They were both in the hospital, blah, blah, blah. I knew that. But he apparently has a prostate cancer. And to be frank, prostate cancer scares the living daylights out of me. My husband had it, and it was very traumatic for us. Uh, then um, m my friend who, you know, uh, who, who does the morning show, with Sid, Bernie McGurk had it, and Bernie died from prostate cancer. And other people have died of prostate cancer, people who were in a good position to get medical treatment. So, the you know, thank God my husband is a, a success story. It was caught early, and he, you know, so far so good. He's two years post-surgery, and he has had no indication that there's a problem. Is it two years or one year? Whatever it is, I'm, I'm very, you know, I'm, I'm pleased and happy that the doctor was able to help him get through that experience, but it was traumatic. And so I do depend on reporters, even for news that uh, should be pretty factual, like you either have it or you don't have it. You're either being treated or you're not being treated. So I do depend on, on reporters, even today, when I have zero confidence in their ability to give me a fair story, and worse than that, I despise them. I really do. I, I think that journalism is now the toilet of media, toilet of entertainment. Because anybody who thinks that journalists aren't first and foremost in the entertainment business, it may be infotainment, but it's entertainment. You're not going to watch them unless there's something about them that compels you to watch them. That's why we used to have these really serious newscasters, you know, like Chancellor and, and, and Huntley and Brinkley and Walter Cronkite. These guys were serious. Even Dan Rather, before he became a psychopathic liberal, was really a serious guy. And you would watch newscasts and you would believe them. You would say, this person is telling me the truth. Now, really, uh, let's be serious. When you watch 
pick one, Joy Reid. Are you sitting there thinking like, wow, this must be true because Joy Reid is saying it? Or Jake Tapper? Or Steve Ducey? Because if you are viewing the news that way, you're a dummy. That's all I'm going to say. These people are all agenda-driven. They all are eager to please as many people in high places as they can because then that uh, pretty much guarantees that they'll have good interviews and that they'll continue to work. See, then you get to like me, the me's of the world. And there's a bunch of us. We're at the tail end of careers, not because somebody wants to get rid of us, but just because, you know, you get tired. Nobody should have to work at the same job for more than 33 years. Well, I'm working at this job for 33 years, and I'm not looking to stop working at it now, but you get tired. Even though it seems very exciting to you and I've had some amazing experiences and been involved in some amazing moments from DC to Tallahassee to right here, you know, in Broward or Palm Beach County, it's enough already. You know, most people would like to have that day when they no longer have to get up and prepare for work. Would I never look at the news again? Of course, that's ridiculous. I will always be a news junkie. I was before I started this career, and I will be after this career ends. But I sure wouldn't have to do it if I didn't want to. And I've proven that because on the weekends, I can shut down almost completely. I don't even think about commentary or news uh, punditry until late Sunday afternoon when I anticipate that I will watch the Saturday and Sunday editions of uh, Life, Liberty, and Levin if I feel like it. And some days I do, and some Sundays I don't. And that's just the way it is. I don't have to prepare a show until Sunday night or, uh, or Monday morning and really not until Monday morning. And Monday's my busy work day. I try to get my podcast done. I try to get the week uh, sort of organized in my thoughts. Are we, you know, doing a lot of international stuff? Do I want any guests? You know, I, I was guest heavy for a couple of weeks and then that drives me so crazy that then I won't have guests for weeks. And uh, yeah, I, I'm on the air for one hour now. I really don't want to talk to anybody except you. That's what I'm here for, to have this conversation with you. And it's basically a one-way conversation, which is my favorite kind. <laughs> you know, if you want to argue with me, send me an email. You know, I answer my emails. People will tell you I answer my positive emails and my negative emails. Um, and that's how we can have a running conversation. But the one hour that I get on the air, I really don't like sharing it with anybody. A couple of guests I find fascinating, and I bring them on because they add something to the program. I enjoy talking to them. They teach me something, they're interesting, um, but there's not a whole lot of them left either. How about that? You know, and I don't rate the big interviews, right? I'm not nationally syndicated, so uh, you know, if you want to hear Donald Trump, you have to listen to Bongino or Kill Me, and that's fine, because I don't want to work as hard as either one of those guys writing books and running around the country and uh, you know having to talk for three, four hours a day. Been there, done that. It was a lot of fun. 
and now it sounds like pure hell to me. <laughs> Just saying. Anyway, so I don't know what uh, Taylor Swift uh, has been guilty of, but apparently they had to find something wrong with her accepting that Grammy last night, and they really had to reach into the toilet bowl to come up with that she disrespected Celine Dion. I, I didn't see that, and I looked at the video twice, okay? If you hate her, just hate her quietly and leave the rest of us alone. Anyway, don't forget that you can download our app, the 850 WFTL app, and that way you can participate in all the contests. You can hear all the podcasts. When the new podcast drops like it did today, you get to hear it right away. And, uh, and, and that's a cool thing. If you don't want to do that, just visit our website, 850WFTL.com every now and again, and you can do the same thing. So let me take a quick break. I'll be right back. So no matter what, you know, I try to stay somewhat abreast of what's going on in the world and in pop culture and, uh, and, and just in quasi-celebrity news. I mean, King Charles is the King of England. And Lord, talk about somebody waiting to get that gig. He had to live through his mother's decade after decade after decade after decade. And so he finally becomes king. It's sad, you know that he is uh, going immediately had to go into some kind of treatment. Um, you know, so I'm curious. He's the, he's the king of England. Um, it is, are his sons at his bedside? Because, of course, Prince Harry lives here in America because that's where the Duchess wants him, <laughs> right? Um, but apparently he has flown home, and, uh, and that's a good thing. I'm sure that, uh, that the the grandsons should be there by his side. Um, his sons, actually, they're not his grandsons. Those are his sons. He's just so old. It's their kids are his grandsons. Um, so we'll see, you know, how, how that story, but I, I need to know that, and I depend on reporters to find those things out. How am I going to know what's going on with the King of England unless, uh, you know, the story is picked up in an American publication which probably comes from the Daily Mail or one of the other British newspapers, which, by the way, I read, I read a couple of those uh, every week anyway. Um, nine inches of rain in California. Now, that's, that's a big story. You know, remember the song, It Never Rains in Southern California? Well, that's a lie. When I was out there at Christmas, it rained a lot. And now, uh, apparently, the tide has turned, and they had over nine inches of rain in Hollywood. Derek was uh, telling me over the weekend that it was crazy. They'd never seen this, although I've heard of mudslides before. So I guess uh, even when there's less rain than they experienced, there's always that danger, particularly along the, the beach, along the cliffs. Um, Never understood, you know, the West Coast is so different than the East Coast when it comes to the beach. Like, you really can't swim in the Pacific Ocean the way you swim in the Atlantic Ocean. There's a couple of beaches, like Venice, where you can go into the water, but it's all rocky and windy, and, and uh, you know, it's great, it's great for surfing, but it's not like our beaches. Our beaches are delightful to, to go in and, you know, paddle around. But this was a historic storm. There was, he said, there was debris flying around in L.A., particularly in the Hollywood Hills, 
and over a million people ended up with no power. Fortunately for Derek, you know, he does not live in the multi-million dollar homes area. He lives in the million dollar homes areas and they never lost their power. But there was something that he was trying to describe to me. So today I was looking it up online. It's called an atmospheric river and it hit California for the last couple of days. It's a, you know, it's a, a, a consistent, constant falling of rain that ends up with flash floods everywhere. And it's not over yet. Crews were out there rescuing people from the water in all over Southern California. They had mudslides and, you know, people have these beautiful homes and all of a sudden he, he sent me a, a, a video, not, he didn't take it, but he, he had found it online of these people's multi-million dollar homes got flooded and then these rivers were carrying their stuff away down the roads like coolers and plastic crates and ladders and all this stuff just like it it, it was it looked like um it looked like a movie you know they the area where it was happening is called studio city because it's an area that's named after a movie studio lot and it's right on the back side of the hollywood hills and these homes were badly damaged. You know, it looks just terrifying. And we're not talking about, you know, homes that weren't built well or that aren't preserved and protected. But when mud and rocks and water come rushing down through your house, it doesn't care how rich you are. It doesn't care how many gates you have up it will wreak havoc. And they had up nine inches of rain and didn't stop the Grammys, though as we were talking earlier. Uh, you know, nothing stops uh, celebrities from patting themselves and each other on the back. You should know that. They'll always uh, find a way to have their events. The, the rest of us, you know, just sit in front of your TV. I was, I must say, uh, thrilled. I got to see a very rare performance by Tracy Chapman. I watched it on YouTube this morning because one of my friends had texted me uh, late last night and said, are you watching the Grammys? And of course, they knew I wasn't, but I guess they wanted me to turn it on, and I didn't. Um, and then afterwards, they texted me again and said, you have got to watch Tracy Chapman's performance. Um, so I did. I watched it this morning, and it really is outstanding. And I, I don't know that I've seen Tracy Chapman on the scene in quite some time. Um but she got a standing ovation. She did the song Fast Car with uh, Luke Combs, and you should watch it if you, if you didn't watch the Grammys last night like me. It's, uh, it's, it's definitely one of those moments, musical moments, that you don't want to say, I never saw it. Um, the other was uh, Billy Joel did his new song, Turn the Lights Back On, which... I love that song anyway. I've been listening to that song all week. So that was kind of cool. He did it at the Grammys. And then my producer just told me I have to watch Fantasia's tribute to uh, Tina Turner. So when I get off the air, that's what I'm going to watch. And see, that's why I don't have to watch these things. Because, you know, if there's a few moments at the Grammys that are outstanding, 
like we ju- well, like I just described, I can watch those moments. You know, that's the beauty of having this technology, which really ruins life in many ways, but it also provides a way for people who might never get a chance to see these things to watch them. You know, I'm not going to sit through an award show, not even for, you know, uh, Tracy Chapman and Billy Joel. Not going to do it. But I got to see those two performances, and I'll get to see the Fantasia. I happen to be a Fantasia fan. I think she's one of the most undersold um, American Idol contestants ever. Uh, her, obviously, and Kelly Clarkson, but Kelly at least, you know, got a second chance at a career and uh, and has a talk show on top of everything else. So, you know, I will watch that. Okay, that's enough of the celebrity nonsense. I always end the week with uh, Derek and celebrity stuff. Apparently, this week I started the week with that uh, that nonsense. But when we come back, uh, there's a lot of political news that really, you know, some of it is just stressing me, really stressing me. I, why are we going to sit around and and solicit everybody's opinion? about who Donald Trump will pick as his VP. The one thing you know about Donald Trump is whoever you're expecting it to be, it won't be them. Okay, so so stop the guessing. Stop asking uh, Kaylee McEnany and stop asking, uh, uh, what's her name, uh, uh, the one who ran his campaign last time, married to that stupid George guy. All of a sudden, my mind went blank on her name. But, uh, you know, I'm tired. I don't care who they think it's going to be. You know, and I don't care who anybody thinks it's going to be. I'm waiting to find out who the Donald is going to pick because that's what's going to be interesting. All right, stay right where you are. I'm going to take a quick break and I'll be right back. Certainly not sorry that I didn't see Joni Mitchell singing both sides now. I don't, uh, I don't, I don't ever enjoy when we have this need to drag people out of their peace and quiet and retirement. Uh, just to make ourselves feel better. But listen, that's just me. Politics, though, went uh, sideways crazy again this weekend, as it always does. And one of the things that I was really kind of uh, stunned about was how they're actually busy talking about Donald Trump's age, like, that's the new talking point. And not for nothing, but how's that going to work when his opponent is Joe Biden, who's even older and definitely not in as good condition, no matter what you think of Donald Trump. He's still got energy. He still shows up and gives, you know, gives it his best shot, even in the courtroom. You know, you want to take shots at him over all of the legal challenges that he had? Those are fair game, right? But when Nikki Haley starts to take jabs at his age, I don't find that at all uh, appealing. And, you know, She's so desperate that she went on Saturday Night Live and said that he doesn't want to debate her. I mean, really, Nikki, you don't want to end up on the stage debating Donald Trump. You just don't want to do that because there's no rules. 
it's like a UFC cage match. And you are not cut out for that because you can't maintain your ladylike status and have a cage match with Donald Trump. It's just not good. I know she takes some strong shots and she can use some colorful language. I've watched her. You know, she's developed a little bit of a tougher veneer. But really, I mean, she's taking shots at him over his age. That's not that's not going to get her any points. First and foremost, she can't win in a general election if she alienates all of the Trump supporters. Nobody, uh, no Republican can win unless they're able to court the Trump supporters. And even then, I don't know who can do that. Everybody else left the race because they figured it out pretty quickly. I mean, you can say a lot of things, and, and Lord knows I have, about Governor DeSantis, but he knew that in the final analysis, he could not afford to alienate Donald Trump voters if he wants a political future. And I think that he wants a political future. He came darn close to destroying it with this trial balloon run of his, but I think that he got out in time and that he could get a nice cushy cabinet appointment from Donald Trump at this point, and he is positioned beautifully for a future presidential run. He just is, particularly if there's a successful Donald Trump presidency and, and he is seen as part of a winning administration. That's, you know, that's not my opinion. That's political reality. You may not like some of the things I say. I know you don't. But you have to listen to them because they're based on years of watching this go on and sort of figuring out winning and losing strategies and then sharing them with my wonderful audience, my brilliant audience. And I'll be glad to share them with anybody, even Nikki Haley. But come on, you know, if you think it's a winning formula for you to bash Donald Trump over his age or his legal challenges, most of the people who support Donald Trump, including me, find those legal challenges so despicable that it makes us really support him, like double down, because if they can do this to a former president, if they can do this to a man who has had tremendous success in every arena, in spite of being constantly the punching bag. Well, then you got to show him some respect. You don't have to, you don't have to back off completely. I mean, obviously you're challenging him. You should be able to come after him, but not over that, over his legal challenges. You should be one of the voices like all the other candidates were saying like these legal challenges are bogus. These legal challenges, even if some of them are legit, they're falling apart right before our very eyes. Uh, maybe you've noticed, but people are backing away from these legal challenges. Who knows what's going to happen in at Atlanta now that we know that uh, Fani is, uh, you know, uh, 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 well, I don't know what to call her, you know, a liar, a manipulator, a serial a husband stealer? I don't know. Nothing, not, you're not going to say a lot of nice things about Fani now that we all know. She hired her boyfriend and then uh, they took these expensive and lavish trips together at the expense of you and me, the taxpayer. 
You know, I, somehow I don't believe they were just, uh, you know, out there on fact-finding missions about the case. <laughs> just saying. And if they were, they should have gone separately. That's all. Because it looks pretty crappy. So I don't know what happens with that case. I do know that uh, Judge Chutkin has said, yeah, well, you can forget about that timeline that I had laid out. That ain't going to happen. Uh, we're probably not going to go to trial until after the election. So all of this was just an effort to make it so that there wouldn't be an election which involved Donald Trump. It didn't work. So now they're all kind of like, hmm, uh, I'll be over here, you know, until after the election. Uh, you know, don't pay any attention to my uh, sex life. Uh, you know, uh, stay focused on Donald Trump. Not wasn't working for them. So now we're watching. Look, I know this judge in New York is going to ban him from business and all this other stuff, but not until mid-February, even though he was supposed to come out with a decision at the end of January. No, now it's mid-February, and then maybe it'll be mid-March. Whenever it is, we're fully expecting him to say, yeah, Donald Trump can't do business in New York anymore. Okay, but he'll be doing business in Washington, D.C. How about that? And he'll be in a position to make sure that that ruling against him has a very tough time staying a ruling against him. That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to leave it there. There's enough lawyers in my audience to have figured out what I'm talking about, and there's enough non-lawyers who listen and live in and watch enough lawyers on uh, the Fox network to know what I'm talking about. So let's just leave it there. I don't know. These cases are falling apart right before your very eyes, as they should. You know, Donald Trump did not uh, fire up an insurrection. There was no insurrection. Nobody's been charged in an insurrection. And you can arrest another 1,000 people, which is the word that's out there on the D.C. street right now. You can continue down this raggedy path of yours, uh, Democrats, and, and watch the public say to themselves, what is wrong with you? Do you not have some policy things you can run on? Is it really all you got? Stop the orange man? Because that's just not enough. It's really not. Especially when 50% of the population doesn't want the orange man stopped. And now more of the people who aren't in that 50% are starting to speak up. I saw some YouTube video, or no, it might have been Charlemagne the God, whatever. He's some, uh, you know, uh, African American radio personality who, you know, said, I'm not voting for Biden. You know, he didn't say he's voting for Trump, but if you're not voting for Biden, that's a vote for Trump, you know, whether you cast it or not. And then I saw this video, might have been through the Charlemagne, uh, you know, I get alerts from his show. And there's this video of all these African-American men saying, hey, look, I don't care what anybody says. Things were better for me during Trump's presidency than they are now. And not only that, but I don't like the fact that Democrats rely on us as a voting bloc to get themselves elected and then just walk away from us. Like, don't deliver on any of their promises. At least, it's interesting to watch these guys because it's not like they're going, rah, rah, we're Republicans. They weren't. 
but they were saying at least Republicans don't make these promises to us and court us every four years and then turn and walk away from us. They basically, you know, don't don't look to us for votes. And uh, if they don't fulfill any of their promises, well, then they didn't make any. And by the way, with the policies that Republicans like, the boats are all lifted with the rising tide. When the economy is buoying, everybody gets to rise. And a lot of African-American business persons have now figured that out. And they're thinking to themselves, what the heck? You know, why are we being taken advantage of for our votes and then we suffer more than anyone else when you start giving credit cards to illegal immigrants, when you take the schools that our kids go to in New York, in Chicago, in LA, and you turn them over to illegal immigrants, who do you think gets hurt the worst? It's not Republican white guys. It's the very constituency that the Democrats think they own. They're the ones who are getting really pummeled by all this illegal immigrant stuff. It's their children's schools that get taken over. It's their jobs that disappear. So, you know, there's a, an awakening. There's a Blexit that's going on, just like there's a Jexit that's going on, where blacks and Jews are starting to wake up and maybe they won't vote for Donald Trump. You know, I, I'm not claiming that they will. But they're sick and tired of the Democrats. And they have finally figured out that they will, you know, they don't want to be used that way anymore. And who can blame them? You know, Hispanics, to their credit, figured that out a long time ago. You see a disproportionate number of minority brown people, in particular Hispanics, have become Republicans over the last two decades. Now, certainly Cubans were the first large group, but there's a whole bunch of people who have fled the communist and socialist takeovers in their South American countries, in their Central American countries, and then they come over here and they start hearing this rot come out of the Democrats, which sounds exactly like the rot that they heard before their countries became third world banana republics, very beautiful, thriving countries with lots of oil and lots of business and lots of educated people that ended up struggling, just trying to flee the country they loved and come here. And then they hear this come out of the mouth of Democrats that, you know, illegal immigrants should get, now they're giving them credit cards with funds on them. You know, where's the credit cards with funds on them for legal immigrants? Where's credit cards with funds on them for African-American men whose businesses have gotten pilloried by COVID-19 and by uh, all kinds of regulations, by crime that forces businesses out of areas like, uh, you know, Chicago, like New York? Who's giving them credit cards with funds on them? Nobody. Nobody. So there's an awakening happening, and that's, uh, you know, all I can say is it's about time. 
you know, I never understood what that was. I never understood the allegiance on the part of the, uh, you know, the LGBTQ LMNOP community to the Democrat Party. Really? Explain to me why you feel you'll get a fairer shake from Democrats because of the uh, marriage stuff? Because that was bound to happen anyway. You know, I don't think Republicans really wanted to stand in the way. I mean, you do have some uh, religious people on both sides. You know, Catholics don't, you know, like that very much either. You know, there's not a whole bunch of priests out there who want to be marrying, you know, Steve to Larry. But that was not enough of a reason to give you blind support to the Democrat Party. Because let me tell you something, the Democrat Party, which now supports like all these Palestinian causes, do you know what they do to gay people in these Muslim countries? Because maybe you ought to check that out before you give your blind support to the party that, uh, that sides with them. You know, now they had to bring security into areas of Michigan and Minnesota because they're called Jihad Central. And not by me, but by the mainstream media who's supposed to be standing up for you. Yeah. Wake up. Just wake up. You don't have to become a Republican. I didn't. You don't have to vote for Donald Trump. I will. But you have, to, you have to realize that you ain't got no friends in the Democrat Party. You can forget about that. They're not there for you. They won't be there for you. They never were there for you. They were the party of segregation. They were the party that voted against the Civil Rights Act, including the current president. Just saying. Just saying. All right, let me take a quick break. And uh, don't forget you have Joe Pegs, not Joe Pegs, uh, Eric Erickson coming up right after me, then Joe Pegs, then Lars Larson, then the Overnight Guys. And then tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., Jen and Bill will be back with the South Florida Morning Show, followed by Brian Kilmeade, followed by Dan Bongino, whose hair is on fire these days. And then, of course, I'll be back at 3 o'clock. But I have one segment left today, so stay right where you are. So, of course, it's an election year. It's a presidential election year. And for somebody who does what I do for a living, it really just doesn't get much better than this. But it also doesn't get much worse. Because unlike a lot of people in media, I don't try to hide how I feel about the leaders of this country. And that could be our governor, it could be the mayor of Palm Beach, it could be the president of the United States. Like, it's quite clear to most people that I totally loathe the majority of Democrats that are in elected office. I really do. I just find them insincere. I find them the most bigoted of all. Um, I just don't like them. You know, I don't make any bones about it. So kind of coverage that I give to politics is definitely biased. I don't pretend otherwise. And, and I'm a big Trump supporter. I've been a big Trump supporter since before he came down on that escalator. I love when people say, well, I've been a Trump supporter since he came down on that escalator. I was telling him years before that, face to face, you need to run. You know, so uh, you know, I'm a big Trump supporter. I'm not going to change that. Nothing you say, no matter how many articles you send me, no matter how you try to tell me that, you know, he's not nice to ladies and ladies aren't going to vote for him, it, none of that stuff 
it does anything to me. It just doesn't. Because I'm a results person. If you can get results that line up with my values and with what's good for my country, or what at least what I believe is good for my country, then I really don't care. I, I just, you know, I'd, I'd really prefer if you were soft, gentle, giant, and you never said uh, nasty things and you didn't, well, no, I do like the nicknames, but there are certain things, you know, I, listen, I understand that they're a turnoff for some people, but they don't turn me off enough to think for one moment that there's anybody else right now who can do the hard work that has to be done for the next four years if we're going to stop this Titanic from hitting the iceberg. You know, this is the last shot. And, and I will, if I go down with the ship, I go down with the ship. But I'm a believer. I think that if he had a supportive majority in both houses, we could get this country up and running again. And that's my hope. That's my dream. That's all. I don't pretend otherwise. I'm not going to sit around and go like, well, but Nikki Haley is, uh, she'd make a good, uh, you know, uh, I don't know what she'd make a good, a good uh, stay-at-home mom. Maybe it's time to do that, even though her kids are grown. Anyway, that's it for me today. I thank you for your time this time. Until next time, and my plan is to be back here tomorrow at three o'clock, if it be his will, and he delays his coming. What lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And then, of course, may God bless you, may God bless Israel, and may God bless the United States of America. And may God protect Donald Trump because they're coming after him. I'll see you all tomorrow at 3. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.